Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. These are the word, the words, the word of God. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each one of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So ends the reading of God's holy and fallible word. Word, flower fades. The word of the Lord stands forever. Last year marked 50 years of this anniversary for the LGBTQ community, where they began this protest in 1971, the We Demand rally. The first large-scale rally of its kind and year after year became what they would call Pride Weekends, Pride Month. Now it's a season from June to September. It's a season where Pride accurately describes this movement, this sexual revolution that they're trying to bring. This form of Pride and any other kind of Pride is a vice. It's not a virtue. Not anything to be celebrated. Listen to the strong words against the proud in Proverbs 16.5. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. John Stott says, Pride is the essence of sin itself. J.C. Ryle, pride is the oldest and most common of sins. And in stark contrast, humility is the rarest and most beautiful of graces. Today we're going to study the biblical theology of humility. In contrast with pride, and we're going to see some practical applications of how to clothe ourselves with humility. I did a search online for evidences of pride to look at my own heart where I know pride exists. And I found a list of 41, 
41 evidences of pride. I'm going to list seven of these. Listen to them. Evaluate your own heart. Is there pride in you in these things, these evidences? Number four, are you quick to find fault with others and to verbalize those thoughts to others? Number nine, are you driven to receive approval, praise, and acceptance from others? Number 11, do you generally think your way is the right way, the only way, and the best way? Number 15, do you have a hard time confessing your sin to God or others, not in generalities, but in specifics? Number 21, do you become defensive when you are criticized or corrected? Number 28, do you talk about yourself too much? Number 30, do you worry about what others think of you too concerned about your reputation? And there's a concluding paragraph to these 41 evidences of pride. Are you sitting there thinking how many of these questions apply to someone else? Feeling pretty good that you only have a few of these? I'm not going to ask you the question this evening, are you humble? This morning I asked, are you thankful? If you think you're humble, then you don't understand. Humility. Pride is what? It's the puffing up of self at the expense of others. It's esteeming self above others. Someone noted that the middle letter of sin is I. The middle letter of pride is I. Me, myself, and I. Pride. How does God respond to pride? He opposes pride. That's the way he works. The infamous example of pride and God's opposition is with Lucifer, the angel. God created the angels. There's one called Lucifer, and in Ezekiel chapter 28, we have a type of Lucifer with King of Tyre and his pride. And it's also describing, in a way, Lucifer's fall and his pride. It says, your heart grew proud of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. He must have been a beautiful archangel. And so I cast you to the earth. I made you a spectacle before kings. Now, whether angels or men, God deals with the proud with opposition. That's his modus operandi. He opposes the proud. Mary, the humble mother of Jesus, she was especially aware of God's mode of operating, her, his ways. And she says in this poem, he has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. Conversely, he exalts those who are humble in his state. We have the same refrain in Psalm 138, verse 6. We were saying that this morning. Though the Lord is exalted on high, he attends, he looks kindly, he looks after the lowly. And the lofty and the proud, the haughty, he knows from afar. He keeps his distance from the proud. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5, James 4, 6, both are quoting from 
Proverbs 3.34, that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And another way of translating Proverbs 3.34 is, toward the scorners, he's scornful. He mocks the proud mockers. But the humble, he gives favor. He shows favor, his grace. This is how God deals with the proud and the humble. God never changes his mode of operating. It's a opposition to the proud. It's grace to the humble. And it's so sad, isn't it, when we hear of, especially in the evangelical church, some leaders who become very famous, they have great followings, big conferences. And they seem to have a good beginning, perhaps with their teaching, but they reach this celebrity status, and we see such a great fall. Because of pride. Pride, the pride leading to disgrace. By God's grace, we don't see those kind of celebrity leaders in reformed churches, I don't think. But we have pride. How are we often proud? In our doctrine, that is right. In our distinctives, that is right. For all of us as individuals, pride. In the heart. Either God will humble us, humiliate us, or by his grace, we can personally, individually humble ourselves before God. And that is the way of wisdom, is to step down before we are we fall in pride. Proverbs eleven two says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Since we know God opposes the proud, we know that already, and pride comes before the fall, the way of wisdom is to humble ourselves and to walk in that humility. James writes, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Peter writes, subject yourselves to your elders. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. We can purposefully do this. Humble ourselves under God. And that's the path of wisdom. That is the way of humility. It's taking a road that goes down. It's bringing ourselves down in humility. And God is not one who's going, like a military leader, who's going to break us as soldiers to subject us under him. But he will not allow his children to walk in pride. He will humble us and have us walk through the valley of humiliation, lest we exalt ourselves on high. An example of willing submission, of perfect humility, is in these words we just read in Philippians chapter 2. It's the life of Jesus and the definitive guide of how to live our lives with humility. Jesus, for Jesus and for us, humiliation comes before honor. And our lives of humility will be lived out as we live in union with Christ and follow in his footsteps. How did he live? Look at verse 3. Jesus did nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. He valued others above himself, did not look to his own interests, but to the interest of others. That's how he lived. 
isn't it? And that's how we're commanded to live as well. And then in verse 5, having that same mindset of Christ as Christ Jesus, putting on the mind of Christ. And how was he? Even though he is God, being the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Instead, he humbled himself, taking upon himself human flesh, even as a servant, the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He humbled himself to that road, on that road that even led to his death. Jesus was the perfect example of selfless sacrifice. In every way, in all that he did, And it's because of his perfect relationship with the Father, humbling himself as a servant, doing the will of his Father perfectly. So this is why in humility we must be grounded in a relationship with our Father, understanding who God is. Even though he's infinite, eternal, unchanging in his being, and knowing his who he is and his wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth, all that God is, understanding him. And that will humble us. If you know God, you will be humbling yourself before him. Think of the men in scripture when they had a, a, a sight, a veiled sight of his glory. They were brought low. They were humbled in his holy presence when they saw him in his glory passing by, they trembled in reverential fear and awe. And we may have moments in our lives when we're brought low. At times we are, we are put on our faces before him. But most of life is not like that. These moments, it is an intentional humbling ourselves Bring yourselves down low under the mighty hand of God. That's what life is. It is an intentional by the Spirit putting off of selfish ambition, self-interest, and putting off the interests of others, considering their interests more important than your own. That's practically how we live under the sovereign, mighty power and holiness and glory of God. In other words, it's a putting off of self, and it's a putting on of the Lord Jesus Christ. You clothe the humility of Jesus. We're going to now see three ways, practical ways, in which to clothe ourselves with this humility. First of all, it's to submit without question to God's word. Submit without question to God's word. James, again, James 4, verse 6 and 7. Remember, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Submit yourself to God. God is ready, God is ready to give grace to the humble. Those who submit to Him. Likewise, in 1 Peter chapter 5, again, God gives grace to the humble. Those who humble themselves with that posture of humility. They will receive grace. It's this downward way of coming under God 
and under his word. Isaiah 66 verse 2 says, But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit, who trembles at my word. This is the one God will look upon and gives grace. God's grace is turned away from the proud, but his favor is shining upon the humble, showing his favor on those who are broken, contrite, and who reverence his word. The Irish biblical scholar Motier, which I saw one of the commentaries in Matt's library there, he writes, This then is what looms large before the Lord's gaze, our lowliness before him in worship, our self-awareness and our painstaking sensitivity to God's word. That's what looms large before the Lord's gaze. How sensitive are you to God's word? Does it, does it prick you? Does it convict you? Does it stir your heart? Are you coming under his word to receive that ministry from the word with that posture of expectancy? Lord, open the eyes of my heart that I may see wonderful things from your law. And if you are not seeing that in your life, do you then check the, the condition of your heart? Be hard, bitter, for you cannot receive this word unless you, as it ought to be, unless you come underneath it with a soft heart, ready to receive it. And when you read the word, is your heart far from him, the God who has spoken in his word? True humility is coming to the Lord under his word, submitting to his every word, taking God at his word, and without questioning any of his word. Think of the parable of the sower, the heart that is good soil. This is the one who hears the word of God, who seeks to understand it, who accepts it, and holds fast to it with perseverance. That's the good soil, the seed that is ready to be planted, and to bear much fruit. And the one who is humble and contrite in heart, trembling at the word with reverence, has a promise that they will receive grace from this word, favor from the Lord. More grace will be given for this fruit of humility to be born in him or her. So that's the first, submitting without question to God's word. The second way we can, by God's grace, clothe ourselves with humility is to surrender with no concern for position and prestige. To surrender with no concern for position or prestige. Luke chapter 14, verse 7 to 11, Jesus tells a parable of a wedding. When he had noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, 
move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Maybe in a modern sense, it could be that you're sitting in the middle seat in the back of the plane, and you're bumped up to first class. Jesus is saying you don't want the opposite. You don't want to be looking for the first place and that best seat. Let others take you there. In ceremonies, church services in Africa, you see posturing, positioning. People want to find the best seats. And then often you will get someone that will tell you, you need to sit here because something more important has come. Now that's partiality. It should not happen in the church. But it happens. Rank, position, prestige, these should not be the concern of the humble. Not something to, to seek after, to be bumped up. Jesus says in Matthew 23, is an indictment against the Pharisees. Woes on these self-serving Pharisees who love the places of honor at feast, the best seats in the synagogue, greetings in the marketplaces, being given honorific titles. Jesus humiliates them publicly, knowing their hypocrisy and the pride of their hearts. He says in verse 12, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. That's the way of God. Another time, Jesus caught disciples arguing over rank and seniority and said, if anyone, Jesus said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be the last. The last of all, servant of all. The greatness for Jesus, greatness is service. The great ones are humble servants. It will not look for what's in it for them. It will not be about them. It will be about him, about their master. They will surrender in service to the least of Christ's disciples, knowing that they are serving Christ without any concern of position or prestige. That was the second way in which to clothe ourselves with humility. The third is this, solely entrusting yourself to God and his mercy. Solely entrusting yourself to God and his mercy. Luke chapter 18, verse 10 to 14 the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. You may know this one. There are two men who went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself, prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. And there's a definite article, article there, and he says, God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Who's the one who went home justified? It was a tax collector. It was the proud and it was the humble. God gave grace to the humble tax collector. The humble are painfully aware of their own sin. 
unworthiness. And they entrust themselves to a God who is merciful. That's humility. The Sermon on the Mount, there are those who are poor in spirit, spiritually poor. They know their poverty, their utter dependence upon the mercy of God. These are the ones who are graciously given the riches of the kingdom. These are the ones who entrust themselves to God's mercy and then receive the riches of God's grace promised to them. The humble readily admit that whatever they have received is a gift from God. It's grace. They know it. There's no room for boasting. Do you say with Paul, I am, by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's by the grace of God. From the beginning to the end, we live because of God's grace. The humble know it's only mercy, kindness, goodness, and grace that we are saved. What we deserve is what? Dishonor. Disgrace. We deserve the wrath and curse of God. But God sent his son who bore that curse, bore that disgrace, bore that dishonor in our place. Jesus humbled himself. Because of that, we are forgiven of all of our sin, especially this greatest of sins, our own pride. What am I? Who am I that God would show grace to me? Ever think that way? Do you ever wonder, why me? Why would God show mercy to me? Is it because you humbled yourself as a kind of work? Even that is grace. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. By his grace, he has humbled you to come before him, to plead for more grace. That's the humbling, that's the posture, and may you remain, if you have that humility of heart, that bowing down before the God of grace, may you remain and continue to be bowed low in humility because that's where we receive all the grace that we need to live that life of humility. So if you've been convicted today of grace and all those evidences of, 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 of pride, all those evidences of pride, take time this evening to repent. How have you been proud? God knows your heart and clothe yourself with humility. Going into this week, put on the Lord Jesus Christ who goes before you as that humble servant and walk in that way.